All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to chat about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Memphis Grizzlies. Final score, 108-104. This was a good game. This was a weird game. Uh, It's nice to see Denver be in a competitive situation, I think, as many opportunities as you can get to uh, just be competitive throughout the year. I I think it's important to be able to uh, take those and use them as data points for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. And Denver gets an early data point for sure. And uh, as, as much as October and November basketball doesn't really matter that much, it is nice to bank wins. And this would have been a bad one to drop based off of Denver basically leading the whole game. So I'm glad that they did not do that. Uh, But it was interesting to watch. And we'll we'll talk about different things that happened throughout the evening and different things that I think should be discussed in general. Uh, But I hope everybody's having a good Friday night. Uh, If you didn't know, I recently posted a new episode of The Alley-Oop, both a kind of a reaction to the Bucks duo, which I think is an uh, an interesting thing over there as well as uh, C.J. Holmes and I had a discussion about Stephen Curry, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, and the Golden State Warriors, as long as as well as bouncing around to the rest of the league. So would obviously mean the world if you guys go check that out too. Uh, but you're here, and I am glad that you are here, and I appreciate that you're here. So let's focus on the Nuggets, why don't we? Um, good game, and I love this comment off the bat from Alejandro. Tough game. As always, Memphis played Denver physical and well, clean up the turnovers and secure offensive rebounds, and things get a lot easier. A win will always be a win. Uh, Alejandro, you're on the spot, like on the docket right there. Thank you for the comments, and I appreciate the sentiment. It is true. It's it's clearly true that the Nuggets were out-physicaled in some ways. Uh, they, They definitely were pushed around a little bit, whether it was on the glass or kind of forcing turnovers, not necessarily finishing around the rim as well as they did against the Lakers. There are reasons to uh, be at least a little bit uh, frustrated, concerned, not really concerned. Obviously nobody's really concerned, but I do think as I make sure to share this out once again, um, I do think that Denver still showed what they're capable of, right? They, They still showed exactly what you needed to see from them in the clutch. They still showed up, and even though the starters weren't as good as they probably could have been, this was a game that Denver uh, could have dropped, and they didn't because they have an awesome star duo, and they have defense when they need it. Uh, That was a a really cool aspect of this. Uh, Nadine also comments here, the Nuggets bench won this game. I... There's there's at least an argument for it. Like Through two games, Denver's bench has been perfectly fine. They haven't really been tested by the best benches on any team in general, but uh, LeBron James and Jaron Jackson Jr. stagger with the second units and don't really gain too much ground. Like, it was at least nice to see Denver really compete in those lineups, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in the second segment, but let's focus on the first one. Uh, Let's focus on the starters here. Jokic goes for 22 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, one steal, one block. He has nine turnovers. 
it's a very rare number. It's not a number that you're going to see from Joker that often. I think last year he had a game with, I think he may have had a double digit turnover game if I'm not mistaken, but it's very rare that he gets above seven and, or gets above six even. It's it's just a, a rare occurrence for him to be that lax with the basketball or making weird decisions. He's always in such control of the game that you kind of take it for granted how efficient he is tonight. He wasn't, he just, he just wasn't that great. And I think it was the combination of three factors, Xavier Tillman, Jaron Jackson, and Marcus Smart. And Desmond Bain played a pretty decent defensive game as well. And there are enough guys kind of in that rotation that did a nice job for Memphis. But I think it's those three that I mentioned mostly. And between Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson, that is as tough of a front line defensively as you're often going to get for a center that posts up because Xavier Tillman is the guy that you have to move around. And he's a strong, big dude. He's only like six, eight, but he's built like a truck. That dude is very hard to move. Jaron Jackson, on the other hand, flies in like a pterodactyl all the time. So it's difficult to read the actual defense that the Grizzlies are committing to, especially if a guy like Aaron Gordon hovers around the dunker spot a lot of the time. I do think that that's an aspect of this that Denver's got to figure out. It it wouldn't surprise me if Denver's best lineup in some of these situations is playing Michael Porter Jr. at the four and then having some other wing come in and space Jaron Jackson away from the rim. They didn't do that. They had Aaron Gordon, and that allowed Jaron Jackson to roam. And that's fine because, look, Aaron Gordon had a great defensive game, three steals and one block. Uh, But I do think that this is kind of the, this is the formula, right? This is the Rui Hachimura adjustment that the Lakers weren't talented enough and good enough to execute. This is what it actually looks like when a team kind of bodies up on Jokic with a big, strong dude that can't be moved and then has one of the best defensive shot blockers in the league. Uh, Anthony Davis qualifies like that. Jaron Jackson might be an even better shot blocker because he is more athletic at this stage and also has this seven four seven foot five wingspan that you need for that kind of a position. So it's interesting to factor in, and it's something that I will continue to monitor. This is the the type of lineup that Denver is going to struggle scoring against, and there are very few teams that can do it. Minnesota can do it. Memphis can do it. Philly can do it with P.J. Tucker and then Joel Embiid roaming over. I wonder if the Celtics can do it. That's an interesting one. The Bucs can definitely do it with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. There are maybe like 15 to 20% of the teams in the league that can actually put this kind of lineup out there. So it's not something that you're going to really have to worry about that much night to night. Like Cleveland is another good example of this, even though Denver, they can sometimes be great against Cleveland, especially when they space the floor really well. Denver didn't space the floor that great tonight. Murray did a good job of that, but KCP missed his shots or, or missed some of them until the till the third and fourth quarter, mostly third. And then Michael Porter actually got a couple to go. But if Aaron Gordon's only going to take one three, if Jokic isn't going to hit his threes, he hit one late and that's important. But I do think that Denver, when they condense the spacing a little bit, it makes a team like Memphis look a lot better defensively than they actually are. Uh, now they're a talented defensive team, but and I mentioned Tillman and and uh, Jaron Jackson, but Marcus Smart, 
is dynamic as an off-ball roamer, somebody who can muck up a lot of the sets, knows what you're trying to do, and is an immovable object in between you and the rim. And he he does a great job of of disrupting all of what Denver wants to do. And I thought he did a nice job tonight, had five steals tonight. And that is going to be at least something to track for sure. Uh, but the, the most important thing that Denver got out of this was a W, and that was because Jokic and Murray went to work at the end of the game. Murray hits a three, hits a pull-up. Jokic hits a three, hits an offensive rebound off of a Murray miss. And those guys, they assist on every single bucket towards the end of the game. One of the ones was a Murray uh, pick and roll, or a DHO, excuse me, where he gives the ball to Jokic, gets it back on like in the middle of the floor, and then accelerates right past uh, uh, Zaire Williams. I keep wanting to say Xavier because I've been saying Xavier. Zaire Williams, he accelerates right past him, drops it off to Aaron Gordon for the two to basically seal the game. And that was a great, great play and a great, great read from Murray using the gravity that Jokic has because Xavier Tillman or whoever was guarding at the time at the top is not going to come off of Jokic and there's going to be a wide open lane unless Aaron Gordon's man, Jaron Jackson, steps up and tries to contest. So really good stuff from Murray. And then Jokic saves his best for last and hits a big three gets an offensive rebound put back. Like These guys know what to do in the clutch. They know what to do when it's time to show up. Even if you don't have a great game up until that point, Denver's like they have done this over and over and over again. And the pressure of playing in Memphis in front of the Memphis Grizzlies crowd on game two of the regular season is not going to rattle this team. So it was a good thing to see them go to work. And a nice reminder that even when Denver doesn't play that well, they're still going to be fine. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about the bench and what I thought was a really, really nice bench stint. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Football season has been rolling for weeks, but now we have hockey and basketball in the mix. So what are you waiting for? It's time to get away from the big boys and try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports. Superbook is the book next door with a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now uh, Superbook is going to get you a great, great deal if you are looking to get started. Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use that promo code MILEHIGH. Make sure to bet with the best and use the promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. This is superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate everybody for hanging out in the chat. Always appreciate the love and the support on the show. Uh, let me know what you're looking for from me going forward. I know that we're going to do weekends with Swipa on Sunday. We had initially thought 6 p.m. after the Nuggets game on 1.30, after the uh, Broncos game, actually, at 2.25. But I think we're going to do 11 instead. So sorry if you're... Uh, if you're wanting to do uh, 
fantasy football watching and, and NFL red zone watching. Watch us for the first hour of that before any of the fantasy scores really matter that much. I, I promise you, you'll have a good time. Swipe is uh, he's a legend, man. All right, let's chat about the bench. Let's talk about the bench here because they deserve a lot of credit. They deserve a lot of the discussion. And I'm going to pull up the box score right now and just read off some stuff. Reggie Jackson, let's start with him. Big time game from Reggie. Really valuable game from Reggie. He was a minus four tonight, but when he's a minus four, then you're probably going to be okay most nights because the starters are generally in the positive. And tonight kind of pushed that threshold a little bit. Like you had Aaron Gordon at plus eight, Michael Porter at plus four, Jokic at plus six, Murray at plus eight, KCP at plus six. So everybody kind of in that plus four to plus eight range. Reggie, only a minus four. He was actually a team low in the plus minus, but that doesn't really tell the whole story because I thought he was pretty good for the most part. 22 minutes, 16 points, seven of 13 from the field, two of five from three, and then had six assists compared to zero turnovers. That's a great number. And what I really liked about his game tonight was he seemed a lot more definitive in what he wanted to do. And I thought that that blended better with what other people wanted to do. Last game, he only had one assist. He had eight points, wasn't as involved. He was kind of just more so getting out of the way, making an occasional play. Tonight, he was very much involved and in, in leading the group, and I thought that that was very fascinating. Now, not a ton of guys on the Memphis side to really disrupt him. Like, once you get past the starters, and, and like Bain wasn't really doing a lot of man on defense, it was a lot of Derek Rose and John Conchar and maybe the occasional Zaire Williams stint, but nothing too crazy. Most of the time, Reggie had a pretty favorable matchup, so I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy for him going forward, but it was good for him tonight, and that's really what matters when you're trying to get through the regular season. Reggie was good, and, and he made good decisions with the basketball. He set the table for other people, and I thought he did a pretty nice job, especially looking for Zeke Naji, looking for Peyton Watson, but then also looking for Nikola Jokic, there was one dump off that I thought he had a, a really nice pass to in the pick and roll. And she like Reggie just continues to find ways to be impactful. So even if it doesn't show up in the plus minus, I think that Reggie, he's in one of the toughest positions on the team. Currently the sixth man, somebody who's coming in first off the bench for Jamal Murray. So <coughs> excuse me, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure, and he absolutely deserves the credit for being able to handle that pressure. Uh, you never know how folks are going to respond. And Reggie, this year, without Bruce Brown and with a bunch of young guys in the lineup, has responded as a veteran leader and has, has done some good things, especially early. So credit where credit is due. Reggie Jackson's been balling. Christian Brown, not a great game from him. Uh, I was I was not as impressed with Christian Brown. I thought he was probably the least impressive guy outside of those Jokic turnovers uh, on the floor tonight. He doesn't look like he knows where he wants to be. And that tentativeness, trying to figure out how to impact the game in the way that he wants to, that's going to be tough because he's not seen as like the defensive stopper right now, although he does a, a pretty decent job of sticking atta staying attached to different guys. But especially on the offensive end, five points, two of six from the field, one of four from three, oh of two from the line. He's got to get that free throw shooting under wraps. Uh, he's, he struggled with it last year, and it hasn't gotten better so far. So 
Got to make them. Just just have to do it in order to stay on the floor. Four rebounds, two assists, one steal, and and did have some good productive moments and does give the starting lineup and staggered groups with the starters some good versatility. But kind of like last year with Bruce Brown, when you're talking about the regular season, not necessarily sure what he does with the bench. And I'm still trying to figure it out because if Murray is staggering and Reggie Jackson is out there and Peyton Watson and Zeke Naji are your four and your five, then you are, what do you need? What do you really need is that other guy. You don't really need a tertiary creator because I think even Peyton Watson could do some of that. Though it is nice that Christian can get to the rim on occasion and can do some stuff. And there was actually a nice pass that he had kind of hustling up and finding a good opportunity as, as after an offensive rebound, zipping a pass under to Zeke Naji, who was sealing and, and did a good job of finishing a basket. Uh, but I thought that he did a pretty nice job. Christian Brown did. And it, it to me, it seems pretty clear that he's got a, wi- a ways to go. But if he starts hitting his shots, like he, he made a three, but it was off the bounce. I'm not going to not going to give him too much credit for that one. It's got to be some sort of spacing threat. If Reggie and Jamal are going to operate in the pick and roll, if Zeke is going to roll to the rim, if Peyton Watson's going to be in the corner most of the time, which he was, uh, then Christian has to be on the wing and he has to be able to either be a secondary creator, be a shot maker or both. And so far we haven't seen the dividends of that, but it is early in the year. So we'll just have to monitor it for sure. Peyton Watson, though, uh, a good game from Peyton Watson, a nice kind of response to, I think, the calling out that Michael Malone gave on, on Thursday. Peyton Watson, 18 minutes, nine points, three rebounds, one steal, three blocks, all three on Derrick Rose, uh, which not really a surprise because Derrick Rose right now is kind of a below-the-rim point guard, and he's undersized uh, when going up against a guy like Peyton Watson, who's six foot eight with the seven foot wingspan and crazy hops. Uh, but it does feel like Watson found a nice rhythm on both ends. He made a couple threes. He had a nice cut to the basket and made one of two at the line. And I mean, got to grab a few more rebounds. I would say that's the one thing that if I'm criticizing that he could probably get more involved there. But if Reggie and Jamal are going to be the, main playmakers he's got to be a play finisher and i thought he did a pretty good job of that tonight so good on him only one turnover and then the defensive impact is clearly real he is a guy that can deter shots at the rim and alter shots at the rim which denver doesn't really have that many guys like that on the second unit so or even on the first unit so it's nice to have that level of athleticism and deterrence in the rotation and it's a reason why denver is so high on him in the first place and then Zeke switched out on a lot of this and, and switched out on defense, but also was guarding Jaron Jackson a lot of the time. Now, Jaron Jackson had a good game, 21 points, 9 of 12 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 1 of 2 from the line. But if only a few of the like there were only a few misses, but they all basically came against Zeke Naji, where Naji blocked him at the rim, stifled him on the post, did some good things. I thought that it was about, I would say, 50-50 when it comes to Zeke having success against Jaron Jackson, and if you can at least make sure that it's 50-50 and not 75% success rate down there, then that's a good stint for the bench going up against one of the the stars on the other team. So Jaron Jackson's a good bellwether, I think, for Zeke Naji because he's not so big that 
he's going to overwhelm Zeke entirely, but he was big enough that he shot over the top of him a couple of times, had a couple of nice moves where Jackson kind of used his shoulder, used his elbow a little bit to clear out some space and then shoot a hook shot over the top and things like that. So it was good battles between those two. I thought that JJJ won one of them and Zeke Naji won another, and then they just kind of went back and forth a little bit. So good stuff from Zeke. Again, only played 13 minutes tonight. Jokic plays 35, basically identical splits to last year or to last game. And that's not going to fly. Like Joker has to get down to the 30 to 33 range more consistently. It's fine in a one-off situation, but as we kind of go into a pretty congested part of the schedule where Denver plays on Sunday and Monday, then I think they play on Wednesday and Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. So there, there's a lot to... There's a lot to unpack there. It might be Wednesday and Friday, but they've got a lot of games and you don't want Joker playing a whole bunch of minutes. So uh, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So they've got a Friday, Saturday back to back at home. Oh God, that's a, that's going to be a painful schedule. Okay. Um, (laughs) So we'll, uh, we'll cross the bridge when we come to it, but Zeke's got to find ways to play. He's got to find ways to stay on the floor in those situations. And the team has to find ways to make those minutes productive or else Joker's going to get tired. Jamal's going to get tired. Jamal's already staggering with the bench and did play 34 minutes. I thought Malone did a nice job of kind of keeping those minutes down in the first half so he could play him a little bit extra in the second. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out really quickly what this team does. Julian Strother got in off the bench, and he played the first five minutes of the second quarter, basically five and a half minutes or so. And I thought he was okay. Not great, not tremendous by any stretch. Had a couple misses at the rim, but didn't look like he was out of place on the defensive end, which is nice. Uh, Five minutes, minus two, plus minus, nothing crazy. He's got to make shots. Couple fouls. It was just good to see him out there. That's, That's the most important thing. So hopefully he gets his first bucket next game. I do think that Denver's going to try to find those minutes for him, especially at the beginning of the second quarter, maybe the beginning of the fourth quarter if he plays well in the first stint. And they will try to loop in a 10th guy, somebody who could help keep Reggie Jackson's minutes down as the as the sixth man. So that is a good thing for Denver. And I'm glad that Malone is trying it out in game two already. So we will see what happens. But let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to chat about the defense. I, I want to wrap up with that. And we can talk about what to expect from Denver's defense as the season unfolds. We'll be right back. But first, this message from Sandy and Sean. Good to hear from Sandy and Sean. I was just on uh, the show with Sean Drotar after Denver's game on Tuesday. I think I was on on Wednesday, but it, it, it all bleeds together for me. So I'm still trying to figure out what day it is on my end. Uh, but it was nice. It was a it's it's always good to talk to Sean. Make sure to go check out their show, especially when I'm on there. Uh, I'll pop on pretty much every week. So should be a good opportunity. All right, final segment here. Let's chat about the Denver Nuggets defense. I wanted to uh, take this opportunity here. Uh, I wanted to see if the 
actual numbers would update for for Denver's defense. Uh, first game, they had a 111.5 defensive rating. Let me check the second game here, see if it's updated by now. No, it is not. It is still, uh, they're still waiting and taking their sweet time. Okay, 106 on the year, which is great. If I just sort for today, what did they have? Sorry, I'm I'm trying to do this live because it uh, takes time. 101 defensive rating tonight. That's good. 101 defensive rating tonight against what I think was a troubled offensive team in Memphis. And then you had a 111 defensive rating against a Lakers team that should have a, a better offense against Denver, especially while they're healthy. It was nice. It was good to see Denver be able to lock down a little bit. It was good to be able to see Denver do what they had to do in order to generate stops, especially in the clutch. Uh, we could go through all the, the clutch defensive plays, but KCP is one that he really stands out. Got his hands everywhere. He was jumping passing lanes. He was forcing errant passes. He was, like, I thought he got called for a foul in a situation where he swiped down on the ball and I thought dislodged it from Xavier Tillman, but they decided that that was actually a foul. And it, it does generally feel like KCP, even at his age right now, like he's past 30, it does feel like he's still finding ways to be a massively impactful veteran, especially when Denver needs it. Uh, there are times throughout the game where I think he he misses a rotation, misses an assignment, doesn't make the right closeout or right level of effort, but most of the time he is rock solid. And Aaron Gordon tonight, I thought, and especially in game one, I thought he had some rock solid defensive plays as well. And between those two, Denver always has a defensive backbone. They always have guys that are capable. I thought that Murray had some good defensive closeouts. He also had some plays that he kind of was a space cadet on and then missed a couple reads and rotations out to the perimeter again. Thought that Jokic had a couple times where he got blown by, but for the most part, he is playing great positional defense himself too. I thought that Michael Porter, like in the starting lineup, if if he's the weak link, I, I don't even know if he's the weak link. I think he's just good. And he grabbed 13 rebounds again tonight. So it's nice to see him now. Now, now he's averaging 12 and a half rebounds a game in his first two games. And even if he's not as involved on the offensive end, nine points tonight, I think he had six points or eight points in the first game. He is still making an impact. So Denver is going to try to get him going here relatively soon. Murray got 17 shots here. Uh, Jokic had 14, uh, 14 shots and nine turnovers. I, I think that Denver in this next game, especially with the size mismatch that they have against OKC, they are probably going to try to get Michael Porter going in the next game to kind of reward what he's done on the defensive end and fitting into the system a little bit. Made some shots, did some good things, and I think that he deserves a little bit more in terms of touches. Uh, but I, everybody kind of knows the situation for Denver. It was very interesting, actually, watching those guys come back in during the second quarter, like six six thirty left in the second, basically guys have been standing at or sitting at the scorers table for a long time. Dead ball happens. Whistle blows subs come in and Denver has KCP Jokic, Gordon and Porter all come in at the same time while Murray takes a little bit of a rest and lots of other bench guys come out. And it just is so staggering at times that Denver can 
put all those guys out there at the same time. And I'm sure it's pretty daunting for an opposing team when you see the champions and you see, okay, you're supposed to make up the minutes in the bench unit and you don't necessarily do it. And then Denver brings back in their starters and it's just, uh, it's probably pretty debilitating mentally at least. Uh, But I thought Memphis did a good job tonight, especially kind of sticking with it. And I think that Denver, they, they were tested tonight. They were tested, but I thought the defense really showed up pretty well. 104 points allowed. There were a couple open shots given up, and and I think Memphis probably could have hit some threes that they missed. Like Desmond Bain shot one of 10. He's probably not going to do that every game. But still, like Denver, Denver missed some, some free throws that they probably wouldn't have missed normally, and or maybe they would miss normally. But look, I think that the Nuggets are in a pretty good position. Getting out of the first two games 2-0 and and then going to OKC, if Denver could somehow find a way to go 3-0 and to start the year, that would be pretty tremendous, honestly. And like, it's not, it's not because they shouldn't be favored in these games, but the odds of being able to show up and show out in the first two games when the target is clearly on your back from the Lakers and then from Memphis, even though they're injured, and I'm sure that that definitely contributed, like John not playing, Steven Adams not playing, Brandon Clark, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama even, like those guys are talented players. And if those guys play, Denver probably loses if we're being honest tonight based off of the effort that Denver gave. But Denver survives, they're 2-0, and and they're in a pretty good spot where you can go forward and you can feel pretty good about what is to come. Um, going up against OKC on Sunday is going to be a challenge. I don't know if y'all, see, if y'all saw this, but Chet Holmgren, seven blocks tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And was the best big man on the floor in a game that featured Evan Mobley? That's going to be tough. But he also hasn't faced Nikola Jokic, and there is a possibility that Jokic buries him under the stanchion. So that is something to monitor too. But Michael Malone has called OKC a root canal team, where they are a just a bitch to play against all the time, and they're they're really talented and they're really deep and they're really good and they're they're coached really well. So they're going to make a leap. I think I undersold them in my rankings, and I think that they'll probably finish with more than the 43 wins that I predicted them. So if Denver could come out of it with a win against them, that'd be tremendous. So we will see what happens. I do think that Denver's defense and the personnel that they have on the second unit especially, it's going to lead them to have a better defense in general. Right now, Denver's got a 106.5 defensive rating, I think, uh, between games one and two. and it's not going to stay that way. Like they'll have some other teams and especially teams that are just as talented as Memphis actually make their shots. And that defensive rating will not stay there. I'm not, not going to say that, but I think there's at least a possibility that if, as long as Denver doesn't turn the ball over a million times, and as long as they stay relatively locked in that Denver could be the best offense in the league and a top 10 defense at the same time. And that's tremendous. It's going to take a lot of work with the bench, but they've already made some steps. Murray looks good, and he's now in what I think is a pretty good place. Had 21-6 and six in the first game, 22-5, and five, and a clutch, clutch three, like breaking Marcus Smart's ankles, basically, and then hitting a three and screaming. That was the, the lead image for this podcast. 21-6, uh, and 22-5. and five. Those aren't quite all-star numbers, but they're darn well close. And if Denver is the top seed in the West heading into the playoffs and he's putting up numbers like that pretty consistently, 
then he will be an all-star in February. Like that's just going to happen. So should be a fascinating thing to monitor. But look, Denver had a bad game with their starters relative to expectation. And let me read off these plus minuses again. Remember, it's a bad game. Plus eight, plus four, plus six, plus eight, plus six. Memphis did great. They they did everything they could, and it just didn't really matter. So that's a great place to be. And if you're a Nuggets fan, how could you not be excited? That is a fantastic thing. So we will see what happens. But Snow Wolf says the World Series is going into extra innings. So I'm going to get off the podcast, and we're going to go watch that. So everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our friends over at Superbook Sports. Oh, I appreciate it. As always, uh, please have a great weekend and please tune into Weekends with Swipa on Sunday. Either it will be at 11 a.m. before the Thunder game or it will be at 6 p.m. after. Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Hit that like button and that subscribe button on the way out and go follow the alley-oop. We'll talk to you guys very soon.